Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And back again for another episode of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Find us on iTunes, find us on Audio Boom, subscribe, rate, and review us. Facebook page, fifth and last NRL podcast, and Twitter at fifth and last. And I'm pretty sure I don't really say this one very often because I don't really use it. We do have Instagram, don't we? I don't use it. I don't use it either, but you opened the account, didn't you? Oh, uh, yeah, I think we might have Yeah, one. well, there might be one there, but you won't find much <clears> on Instagram, so don't worry about Instagram. Stick to Audio Boom. Stick to Spotify as well now, but most well, importantly... Facebook discussion group, mate. Yeah, that's the other Why one. Why do you need fucking Instagram, mate? Brock, You don't want to see fucking pictures of us. It's about content, mate. That's what we give the fans. Content. Not pictures. Content. And the discussion group has been good for people. It's going great, guys. I'll tell you the best part as well, and probably a thing that I guess most people probably find... and. Twitter's probably the worst place for it as far as arguing. There's many arguments. People, Why should there be arguments? People have been fair. They accept other people's opinions and they share them and it's good. If anyone argues, I will punt them. You will I will be, put them on the sea-do and I will get I will bark it up. I will spark it up and I will kick you out of the discussion group. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, good times. But there you go. Rate and review us most importantly. iTunes is the big one for us. That's uh, the best source for people to find us. There's all these other platforms, but iTunes is the king. The five-star ratings, the reviews, they help us out immensely. Getting on the uh, weekly ratings charts and all those bits and bobs. But jumping in, if you uh, are joining us for the first time, welcome. If you've been with us for a long time, welcome back as well. Set of six, six topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about. and Tackle one in that set of six this week. The top eight, Brock, it's done. We have two weeks to go. Yeah, sadly. Uh, the Warriors threw that game down the road. <sighs> I can't hold it against them because I think they've no, been up. I'm not holding no, it they've, been up, they've been up for such a long time that it was just disappointing that I think they saved one of their worst games for the most important one, and more particularly with their discipline and with their ball control. They've been completing so high, they've been so good with their discipline, and very early on, I just had a feeling it wasn't going to be their night. And at the back end, you had the feeling they were going to get take, run down, and unfortunately, yeah, that's the way it panned out. I guess for the most part, we've known the top five or six teams all year that we've spoke about. We just wanted to see who fell into those last two spots. Cronulla have been good enough because they've been beating those teams on the edge, but they haven't been able to beat those above them. I guess that was a competitive game for them the other night to prove a point and win to get their spot booked in. Newcastle, uh, their first finals appearance in a long time, I think, from memory, yeah. since Wayne Bennett was in charge. So, Cross, when was that? That was the last time the Roosters, maybe 2013. I think. For who? Knights? Yeah. Is that when they made the prelim final? Yeah. When the Roosters been. won and then yeah. went on to win the comp? They haven't I been back since, no. That's the last time I can, re- I can remember. So 2013, they're locked in. I guess the only other team on the kind of outside who looked good early, but again, uh, need to address their roster and their depth and not load up 
be so top heavy as Manly. Manly were in, they went out, um, and slowly fell away as the year went on. Yeah, other than that, it's been pretty much sorted, but top eight's locked in. No surprise about who's on the back end, and the battle for the spoon continues, but I dare say that once Foreign went out last week and with the way the draws panned out, the Broncos may be avoided uh, that wooden spoon, which is very, very lucky because their record, their foreign against everything about them, well, they to be should fair, they, they beat the Bulldogs. I know when they, they play, they beat the Bulldogs. I know so the Bulldogs deserve it. Head to head, but their body of work over the whole season, they've not yeah, been well, anywhere near as competitive as the Bulldogs. But I disagree. Like you said, at the end of the day, it comes down to wins. If you get three wins over two, uh, but they've got two weeks to correct well, that. Well, that's so. why they won't get the wooden spoon. That's top eight, locked in, done. Top four, almost settled. The Eels are the only team who might be on the fringe. You'd think that Raiders might have an opportunity to move up there. Otherwise, you'd expect it to be either... Raiders South getting home finals in those elimination games against Sharks and Newcastle. And in the top four, unfortunately for me, I was hoping not to play the Roosters week one as a Melbourne fan. It's looking more and more likely that it will be Roosters Storm and the Panthers will either get the uh, Raiders or the Eels. I'm sure Penrith would love to play the Eels week one in Penrith. Yeah, oh, they'd rather. They wouldn't mind. I don't even matter to Penrith. Yeah. As long as they're not playing Roosters or Storm. Yeah, I'm sure they'd much be much happier with the Roosters kind of pulling themselves up into that third spot now. That's a better way to get to week three. And I think this year, more importantly, as we said before, making it to that prelim uh, with a week off is massive in this yeah. COVID-affected season. Tackle two, state of origin. It's been confirmed now. The date's locked in. So we've got that confirmed now. Thank God we weren't sure about whether it was going to be potentially in Canberra was mentioned, where they were going to go to Adelaide. Well, now it's been locked in. Adelaide is the first game. November 4th, then we head to Sydney for game two, the 11th of November, and then Queensland for this, uh, hopefully what will be a decider, but at the same time as a New South Wales fan, hopefully a dead rubber, the 18th of November. The talk, 27-man squads and a bubble situation again. Yeah. So a lot of things being thrown around about pay cuts and lack of crowds and this, that, and the other, and would players pull out and all this, that, and whatever else. For me... Like if it's half the money, like fifteen grand to play a game of football, you can't complain about that. Seriously, yeah. I think the bigger thing here is for some guys, are they willing to continue the bubble situation? I know people go, "That's fucking ridiculous." It's Origin. That's probably my mentality. But at the same time, blokes may be missing family or have a, a sick loved one or not been able to send their parents or not been with their kid. You just don't know the circumstances. So there may be, I think, this year one or two people, especially if they're on the fringe in those squads, that knock back the chance to go in. For origin, yep, um, and I couldn't blame them. I really couldn't. I can't hold that against somebody not knowing their circumstances. No, nor but... should we. But I think if that does happen, if there is a notable omission, you will know the circumstances. Yeah, I'm sure you. And will. I'm sure everyone will pass judgment on it. But in the end, they're individuals, and they've got every right to say that this year's a little bit different. I don't want to do it. Uh, so play on, play on. The 27 that are there will be chomping at the bit. They'll be willing to make that sacrifice for the opportunity and. I think it'll be a good series. It's going to be a different series because it's played over three consecutive weeks uh, under these different conditions that we've all had to get used to. So it's it's all going to be a little bit different. I will say at the start of the year, I would have been fairly confident in New South Wales. Not saying I'm still not, but I think for Queensland, there's been some good green shoots. Like Harry Grant, Tino, Sua, there's been some players come through that at the start of the year I would have thought, no way. Yeah. Or I would have thought, you know, this looks like an absolute mismatch. And for New South Wales... We've still got very, very good players, and in particular, like your backline positions, your halves, etc. But there's a form of a couple of guys that will probably get a crack from incumbency that haven't been that flash shot this year. 
Yeah. So I know Origin's a different beast, but there is a few guys that if they do get picked, I'm, I may be a little bit concerned, if I'm being honest. Um, in particular, the Ford pack. There's a few guys there that haven't been that crash shot this year, so it'll be interesting, but still a little bit away from that right now, but at least that's locked in. The grand final is something, now that we're talking about it, I'd love that to be confirmed, where that's going to be. Surely. The, the email from ANZ members said today that it's they're very close to confirming ANZ Stadium. Good. So because it's going to be ANZ Stadium. They wouldn't ANZ put that member, in an email. As an ANZ member, I want to go to yeah. the grand final. Yeah. And as we said before, the Sydney government has that deal. I know there was talk about Brisbane, who has the most capacity, et cetera, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. But if they've got it locked in, if the Sydney government has that confirmed, I'm sure the numbers hopefully will be bumped up a little bit by then and maybe be able to get half the stadium there, which would be, you know, 40,000 or a little bit over plus corporates. Yeah. That would be outstanding. So fingers crossed everything keeps trending in the right direction and that's what we get. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Tackle two. Tackle three. Now, this one I only just saw today, but I always found it ridiculous. The demands of Joseph Sawali. <laughs> um, and again, I'll, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure people are going, oh, his manager must be crazy. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a manager. I think it's family or his dad or whoever else. I could be wrong. But for a kid, like we said, we've said before, you, you don't want to let him go. But under these circumstances now, saying three years is not enough. They want five years. They want incremental increases over all five years and they want to get out clause every year onwards from second to year five for somebody who dominated Harold Matz, didn't play SG ball, no doubt has the talent and has showed it in the preseason and for them up against men to basically go straight into first grade. But nothing's ever a guarantee. It's not, no. So for these kind of demands to be made for someone who hasn't even played a game of cup 20s or 18s, who, yes, he does have all the talent in the world, am I confident he could play first grade? Yep. I'm not. But you have not you have not pulled anywhere near enough clout to walk in and tell a club that this is what you're on right now. So plain and simple, without even getting into an argument, bringing in the Sunny Bill situation where people are bringing up one year contracts or do this, that, and the other, just go to rugby. Because if they're the kind of demands you're going to make in a team sport where it's not all about you and you haven't even played one of those extra levels of football yet, to be making demands like that, like you are a top five player or a top 10 player, you are kidding yourself. I'm sure rugby will be happy to make those demands, but for South, I don't know how that would go down in a group or a locker room to think that a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old's got get-out clauses every year, incremental pay increase, like can basically just bail when he feels like it. You're not really committed to the club when you're putting those kind of clauses or circumstances in. That's very me. It's not very team. Oh, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, it's ridiculous. And anyone that agrees to it, yeah. I think that's why South are balking. I think that's why you saw South re-sign Alex Johnson. And, oh, you know, there's a lot of people that say he's got immense talent. That That's correct. He, he's got immense talent. No, d- no doubt in the world, okay? But I'm not sure I want to pay that, that type of money for someone who hasn't played an SG ball game. Because the difference between Mats and Ball is huge. The difference between Ball and Flegg is huge. The difference between Flegg and Cup is huge. The difference between Cup and NRL is astronomical. So, look, if the kid, if it's all about money for, for this young man, go that's fine. Go to Union. Take yeah. the cash. Yeah. Uh, if I'm an NRL club... And look, there will be someone that will pay him and all power to them. But... Those, You're paying elite money for someone who has not yeah, proven themselves but, as elite and clubs get themselves in trouble, I believe, when they pay for potential. Not any potential. Like those circumstances. So what, in 12 months if he's... Oh, I get all that. 
knocked I, it out of the but, park. But, but I wouldn't even get to that point of no. the negotiation. It'd no. be this type of money for someone who hasn't even played an SG ball game. Well, honestly, no thanks. we spoke about it the first time. I've seen him play. play I coached against him last year. He's, he was massive in, in Harold Matthews, but he was very good in Harold Matthews. He was very skillful, but he's big and fast. And there was a physicality element to him that is not going to be at his disposal when he's playing against men. No. And in all honesty, the fact that this even been floated, the first initial deal of up to 500000 or 600000 a year for someone, again, who still hasn't played those levels is absolutely, pardon my French, fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, you're going hard out. Like, there's some guys that have been paid up but have at least played cup or flag or accelerated through the grades in an 18. Like, from the sample what we've seen at match, yeah, that's all well and good. But like you said, no ball, no 20s, no cup. Like I've seen Bronson Cherry, and probably a bad example right now because he's probably out of the field, but I saw Bronson Cherry play New South Wales Cup at 18 and dominate. And was like, that, that's a shoe-in. Like, that's someone that yeah. at least then you've seen that for a few weeks and go, man, if this guy's already lighting people up and he's 18 years old, where's he going to be in two years? That's the kind of thing where I expect the club to go, right? They might make it a bit of an offer that seems overs at the time or a Callum Ponga. Callum Ponga yeah, look, was fielding think... those sort of offers because he'd already proven it 20s and then Cup. Well, like you're paying half David for feeder, dominated 18s level. They dominated the National Schoolboys Carnival. Suwali hasn't been to the National Schoolboys Carnival. He hasn't played SG ball. No. And even those boys were only getting, you know, their first NRL deals were, I think Payne Haas, they, they would have been around 500k. Yeah. Somewhere around that. So they're already exceeding that. But he's below that. He hasn't even proved himself at that level. So I'm not sure how he can be demanding the money that he is. No. And then the initial offer got bumped apparently when rugby came in to close to 2 million. So we're talking almost 650, 700 a season. Take it. You've and now you've got five to. years with incremental paint. Like, I don't think Seattle will entertain it at all. And I'll say the same thing I always say. No talent is bigger than the game and somebody else always comes along. So if it's all about money and if it's all about me and you want all these things in there that basically would, to me, as a teammate, I wouldn't really endear me to somebody who's basically looking every 12 months to assess where he's at and what's best for him. I don't want to play with him. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to have him at my club if that's the way he's going to be. And I, again, part of that may be because it's more of a family situation or a manager or whoever it is, but that's not the sort of thing I want in my club. I don't have to sit there every 12 months. Because on the flip side, if he's not playing up the standard, what about South? Do they get a clause? Do they get anything to put ratchet well, it no, down? They don't. Of course they don't. They don't. And I'm not saying that everything always goes in favour of the players or the clubs. It goes two way, but in this situation as a club, I'm not even considering those circumstances if that's what Joseph Swally's after. Yeah. So I just thought that was pretty ridiculous to see today. Uh, for a kid, no yeah. less. A kid. Tackle four. The Bulldog situation. They're making some positive moves as far as recruitment and staff and building, and we were kind of waiting to see what was going to happen there. Corey Riddell, three-year deal coming over for Manly, uh, probably more a squad player. I don't know if he's going to play every single week for them right now, but it's a good solid addition. Blake Green off the ACL, again, not going to be available straight away, but on a staff point of view, was interested to see what was going to happen. Craig Sandercock, who we both know, coming over at the Sharks right now, spent some time at the Tigers. He's been overseas. I'm sure he'll have a bit to do with the attack. So that's saying that's a three-year deal. His lead assistant has not been confirmed yet, Trent Barrett, but they're talking David Ferner will be leaving Newcastle to come back and be the lead assistant at the Bulldogs. And David Tangatoa, who spent some time at Penrith in Pathways and Juniors yeah. and is now up at North Queensland. They're talking about him coming back again as an assistant or a transition and Pathways type coach. Well, Tangatoa was Barrett's assistant uh, with 20s at Penrith. Well, there you go. So that's starting to take a bit of shape. So some positive moves as far as that. And Mick Potter is 
been put in as the New South Wales Cup coach. He'll do a good job there and be a good bridge as far as pathways. Um, I'm sure there's more player signings to come, but I guess the bigger issue, and it was more a topic last week, but it's bubbled more since, is just what's going on in the club and the factions and the board. They've already ousted, uh, I think it was Corey, George Corey, yeah. and now there's talk that Lynn Anderson and that ticket that came in and said they were going to make all the changes, that they're trying to get an emergency GM to vote her potentially out. So on that side of things, if you're coming into the club, Trent Barrett, and you're trying to make moves and you're trying to find stability, it's not really great when you've come from a place like Manly where you already had issues with the club and how that was working out, and then you've got the Bulldogs just everyone yeah, pulling well. in a different direction saying it's my club. It kind of reminds me a little bit, in, in a different way, I guess, because it was more old boys and they weren't involved in the club, but it almost seems like the old Parramatta situation in some ways, where they were just all pulling in different directions and it wasn't in the best interest of the club. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one for me to comment on because I don't I don't know the ins and outs of the Bulldogs board and all the politics that's happening, but Trent Barrett got involved in all that shit at Manly. Mm. He needs to go in and just focus on footy and hopefully, well, hopefully the conditions in the environment at the moment allow him to do that. Uh, and I think regardless of who's on the board and regardless of what ticket's in charge, they need to understand that <clears throat> they just need to leave the football department to do their job. Fight all you want, bitch and moan all you want about who's got power and um, you know who's going to be on the board, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in terms of the rugby league department, it's just it's critical that they're left to their own devices and to coach and improve the players. Because if you coach, allow them to coach and improve the players, the performances will get better. It's as simple as that. And if you have your coaches and your players distracted by those other things off the field, it's going to impact the performance. So, you know, that's it's that just goes hand in hand, regardless of what club it is. So I think Trent Barrett would have learnt a hell of a lot from his time at Manly. And, uh, yeah, I just my only hope for Trent Barrett is that he gets autonomy and gets the space and gets the time and is able to focus on coaching. I just really hope that if something does happen with the board or these factions, the big issue is if you're put in by this board or you're favoured by this board, that you're not going to have issues straight away. If somebody else comes in with a new ticket and they want to go a different direction, like this could just be you know retiling every twelve to eighteen yeah, months. But, but like, from can't, Trent Barrett's point of view, if they're winning, it doesn't matter what tickets in charge. If they're going playing well, it doesn't matter what tickets in charge. He's got to focus on his job, mm. and his job is to get the football mm. side playing well. If the football side's playing well. It doesn't matter who's in charge, who's leading the club, what board's in, what ticket's in, what's going on behind the scenes because they're going to be happy with the football side because they're winning. It's as simple as that. Well, there's some other players on the radar already and no surprise that obviously the whole Penrith situation where it was a hands-off, I thought there was no way that that was going to happen. And, you know, there's been links to Dylan Walker potentially for Manly and a couple other guys, but from Penrith apparently... uh, What's his bloody name? I've already forgot. Is it Hilly? Andrew Hill? Yep. They've gone the right way about it this time around and apparently they've approached Penrith to talk to them about potentially some players out of that squad that are off contract and approach them. Well, Andrew Andrew Hill and Matt Cameron are best mates. Yeah, so they've gone through the front door. They've done it the right way. Whether they'll be able to pull the signings off, I highly doubt it. They're talking about players like Spencer Lanu, potentially looking at Jack Hetherington, Matty Burton. All the talk that I've heard out of Penrith is they reckon they're going to be able to lock Burton up. Lanu, I definitely wouldn't be letting go and I think that's the whole reason somebody like James Tarmow is now being moved on. Um, and then your players like your Charlie Staines and that that have been talked about before and him being on the open market. I go back to what we talked about a few weeks ago. 
as a player manager, let alone as a player, I'd like to think that I have enough sense and advise my client more so from a player manager perspective that I, if I'm you right now, I'd rather you stay at Pennant for 300 grand than go to the Bulldogs on yeah. five 600 because you do not have the pieces around you to maximise your talent. And in two years' time when we come off contract, you might get half the money or none of the money. Like You could completely alter the path of your career right now. Your best bet is to take 300 grand, sign for two years, develop at Penrith, and then God knows what your next deal could be. Yeah, And you'll probably be the fullback in a very, very good side with guys that you've come through. I'd, I'd like to think player managers think that way, but not all of them do. No, a, because they're looking for a percent. A good example of doing the right thing would be a story that came out this week, which is Daryl Mather with Jerome Luai. He was offered and you know rang up and called a million times about South and all these places wanted to take him and get him in there early. He held off. He waited at Penrith. He knew that's where he wanted to be. He knew that was the right spot for him. And now look at the, the rewards that he's reaping this season. And he will be paid accordingly because he's been as good and as important as Nathan Cleary to that side. So when the time is appropriate, he's now going to probably have a 10-plus year career and get good money across that rather than jumping in the deep end somewhere else. Uh, not South probably would have been a good place to land, but if he would have went to a lower-end club and had a lot of pressure heaped on him and not be able to develop behind those kind of guys and learn... Your career can be over in two or three seasons. We've seen the same thing earlier um, when we've talked about other players in the past. Like Nelson Asafa Solomona, apparently after that one year at Melbourne and barely playing, got offered six hundred grand to go to the Warriors. It's probably not the best career move for somebody at that point in time. No. Uh, Tino, prior to this deal when he's going to you guys, was saying deal Warriors and a couple other clubs was not the right move. Stay, develop, be beneficial for where you're at, and now look at that. I'm sure as a Gold Coast Titans fan. You're feeling a lot better about the purchase of somebody like Tino right now. Yeah. Seeing as though he's waited an extra year or two in a good system. Yep. And he's now ready to move on. So I'm sure the Bulldogs are aiming high, but I'm not sure they'll be able to get uh, a couple of the guys they really want from Penrith. I think Hetherington is a realistic one. Yeah. Just for the forwards they've got. The Burton one, again, I've said it before, for a Burton, I think Burton will get better offers than the Bulldogs, even if he was available. I think the only thing the Bulldogs can offer that others can't is more money. So, sorry to say that to Bulldogs fans, but if he did hit the market tomorrow, that wouldn't be the first place I'm looking if yeah, I'm Matt Burton's and, manager. And a connection to the coach. So, That's yeah. all. A familiarity and a comfortableness, that. but I know I, I wouldn't be moving if I was Matt Burton. No yeah. way in the world. Well, if I was, it wouldn't be there. I think there'd be better options on the table. But fingers crossed they can get some players there and this board, whatever happens, it just you don't need that going on. You want to be worried about players, the football the club so whatever's going on there with this ticket hopefully it gets resolved soon and they just back the coach and the new staff give them 12 to 18 months to sort out the rest of this roster and start to spend and try to build a team yeah um and it all starts heading the right direction tackle five on a similar note while we're on it tigers dragons teams that are looking to make moves the tigers with michael mcguire talk now that the james tarmow deal will be confirmed two years yeah i heard that for the right amount of money i can understand wanting to make a move and get a veteran in like that but at the same time it feels like they didn't learn from the packer and Madalino experience i think on the flip they went way heavier as far as years in cash but yeah i'd, I'd still be a little bit cautious with this move because yeah. he was offered i think similar money or good money at penrith but they only wanted to go year to year at this point in time he's obviously looking for job security so he's taken two years but that one, yeah, I'm 50-50 on. The Addo Carr one and the initial talk about what he was after and playing fullback, I just think that's insanity. And only a couple of weeks ago, we we're talking about making smart decisions and everyone blaming Ivan and other bits and pieces. Like, yeah, there's some bad deals there, but 
on the same token, like we said at the start of this year, you didn't have to go pay Joey Leilua a stack. You didn't have to go buy Adam Dewey and pay him a stack. Like You're repeating the cycle. Yeah. So if you go do that with Adam Carr and he flops at fullback, well, then you've just got a super expensive winger that you don't need. And James Talmadge doesn't work out for two more years. You're just paying another veteran that's not contributing. I'd like to think they'll get more out of him with their younger players and some teaching and a bit of guidance whatnot. I hope it does work out, but I'd be a little more cautious on the Addo Car move. To me, he's a winger. I'm sure he can learn. Well, I think, yeah, I think they've sort of compromised it. He's not going to quite get fullback money, but he'll get an opportunity to he's play fullback. Still going to get more than what you probably pay. Are they saying five hundred something oh, like that? Like, they're pushing for up to seven, but yeah, now they're Jesus. talking about five. They'd be happy, but they're talking. They're going to give him a four-year deal. Five, six. So that's what I mean. Like, if you've got him there on that kind of coin. Uh, I, I really like him at Melbourne, but yeah, I, I don't like him for five hundred, six hundred thousand. I've got to be honest, his um, his form over the last, particularly this year, hasn't it's hasn't been better really of recent. The first sort of eight to ten weeks when things were going again, I almost would have been hippie, uh, happy to ship him to wherever he wanted to go. Yeah, and just go leave. I think I think more recently he has been in good form, and I don't know whether that's you know picking things up and doing himself a favour because he is trying to get on the market and move to another club but it all but seems that all alleys have dried up and the Tigers is the only place yeah so and the other thing I didn't get and I said this at the start well I think if the Sawali deal falls through maybe South well they're the other one that was in there but yeah that'll be interesting to see but all the talk that really got me at the start was oh you know about a trade when they're like well you can't have Talao you can't have like it's like well do you understand it's how this a works trade. It's, if you want to have an established player He's played Origin and for Australia, and you won't give away a kid. Like, I don't think you quite no, no, understand. No, no, but that's not how it works because that's restraining a trade. They need to find someone who wants to go there, wants to go to Melbourne. Who, who the hell would want to go to Melbourne right now that's based in Sydney? No I don't one. think that was the issue, though. They're basically just shooting down any kind of option. No, right? I don't think they are. I think they've, they've got to go to the player and say, well, do you want to go? And they say, no. Well, the deal falls through. It's not as simple as you tap someone on the shoulder and say no, you're going to Melbourne. I know that, but they were That's doing. That's how it works. They were inquiring as well. Back the other way, they weren't saying. We I have understand him. that, but, but they're not a... just shitpiling it because of no, because they don't want to give them up. They're not even getting they're past that player. point. They're just saying no. My point no, is, well, if you want true. a rep winger, that's not true. You can't just get it up for free. That's not what's happening at all. They'd be going to the player and saying, "Do you want to go to Melbourne?" The player's going, "Well, no." Like they, Nofaluma was the last one. Nofaluma's as Tigers and. Uh, West Tigers as they come, he's not going to want to go to Melbourne. No, I'm sure he's I think not. what will happen is that Melbourne will find a player at another club that will suffice um, the need that Addo Car or the or the void that Addo Car is going to uh, leave when he when he departs the club, and then they're just going to allow Addo Car a release. The point of Melbourne is not that they want a player from the West Tigers. I think it was more. At that point in time, at that point of the season, when there was no one else on the market, they were sort of going, well, you need to get us someone. Like, you need to find someone to come to us of equal value. Otherwise, I'm not letting him go. And I, I totally agree with Melbourne from that standpoint. What was but that? now, cash. they can go and get a player from another club to fill that void. But if Melbourne... Melbourne should not release that O'Car until they have like for like. Yeah, it doesn't have to come from the West Tigers. Yeah, but the main point, my point at the start was whoever is after him, it's not walking out the door for free. Whether it be cash, whether it be a player, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand sort of why he's so stuck on it because players walk out for free all the time. Players walk yeah, out on contracts if the club all the time. Wants to let him go, and yeah, that's, happy that's fine. But it doesn't mean it has to come from West Tigers, and it doesn't mean that Melbourne need to be compensated. 
if he's going to the West Tigers, if there's a mutual agreement, because if more than likely if Melbourne are going to get a player, he's probably going to have to get a release from the club he's at as well to go to Melbourne. Or if he's a free agent, he signs there and Melbourne go, well, at OK, you're free to go. We've got someone to replace you, to Lou. Melbourne are just putting themselves in a position where they're not going to be at a disadvantage through Adokar walking out before the end of his contract, which is they're rightly and fully entitled to do. So I think I think there's been convoluted this whole scenario with Adokar about well you need to give us someone or it's it's horseshit. Realistically, if Adokar jumped up and down enough, he could have got out of the contract easily if it was a family and a welfare issue. Um, but to his credit, he said I want to see the year out. Um, but I do want to go back to Sydney, and I think that'll happen. Whether whether the player comes from West Tigers, if I'm Melbourne, I don't want to play from West Tigers. I'd I'd be searching the market and scouring for someone elsewhere. That'd be, and, and I, I would almost bet my house that a, the player that replaces Josh Adokar in Melbourne will not be a West Tigers player. I disagree with you. My point was, they said player cash. They were going to be yeah, compensated. He's stuck on it. They, they yeah, don't need to be compensated. The well, compensation the will be that they sign a player regardless of what club he plays for. That's your compensation. And then they will release him. Yeah, if they find somebody externally. My point is if they, they, will. If they can't... If they can't, they don't have to let him go. Was we're going back and forth. We've got a contract. If it's coming from somewhere else and that's what's going to happen, player, cash, there's going to be some form. But you know yourself how fickle a contract is. I if he that. says... But if he, if he plays clubs. the card that, you know, my mental health is not at a point or... You know, he says, I'm unhappy or... That, that's how he'll get out of the contract. You know that's what, what's going to happen. And, he, you know, to Josh Adokar's credit, his welfare probably hasn't been that great, being down there, and he's had family issues and welfare issues. I'm not sure whether he's had mental health issues, but, you know, he's, he has had issues happening in his life in Sydney, um, and he only needed to roll back to the Latrell and Adokar thing. That was because... Some members of his family were, were going through hard times. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but he could. I think, I believe he could have easily wiggled his way out of that contract if he really wanted to. I think Adokar's done the right thing by Melbourne. I think Melbourne have done the right thing by themselves. I think the Tigers have tried to get a player to go to Melbourne. It hasn't worked out, and I think what you'll find is that Melbourne will find a player and release Josh Adokar. I'd say before the end of um, or before the preseason kicks off. Well, it looks like it's going to be the Tigers. South's a sneaky chance. And the other one was the Dragons. Obviously, straight away, they were linked to Tarmel. That's now off the table. Now they're talking that Maguire and his situation up the Cowboys may not be all rosy. Formerly played on Anthony Griffin. Multiple suspensions last year. Mm. Has had an okay year this year. He's been pretty solid since he's came back. Still works hard, but another send-off and suspension on the weekend with the dissent comments. So... That's a funny one coming out of there. I guess that'll be up to the new coach and what he wants to do in Todd Payton. Um, and Offa Hengawi, another player that he had coming through the juniors just before he left, is being linked there. Brisbane have basically told him he can go. Honestly, the Offa Hengawi move from the Dragons, Brisbane. I wouldn't want to have the Offa Hengawi deal. The Maguire one I'd consider if the Cowboys are willing to pay some freight, but at the same yeah, time, um, yeah, there's some of the names that have been linked There's so better far. players elsewhere. Yeah. But no surprise that... Coaches go for what they know. Mm. Tackle six to finish off the bunker. Uh, a lot of people have been unhappy with some decisions. Again, things aren't going to be right every single week, but there are some ones that are absolutely dumbfounding. But just before finals come out today, Graham Ennisley, and they've had a change. There's only going to be one official 
in the bunker for the rest of the way, and it's only going to be a referee. There's going to be no ex-players. They want well, what, one what's, person. How is that any different to the video referee? I don't know how that makes. That's any fucking stupid. The, the, this this whole the whole system has gone up the shitter. The bunker is a waste of money. It is a waste of time. It is a KFC advertising mechanism. That's what it is. Because the results and the effectiveness and the accuracy in decision-making is nowhere near where it should be for the technology that they're using and the spin and the rhetoric and the data and the statistics that were thrown as fans and as supporters of the game in how much better the bunker was going to make the game. It's not faster in, in terms of decision-making. It's not any more accurate in terms of decision-making. I'll tell you what they should fucking do. They should go and buy 70-inch LCD, high-definition, ultra-definition screens and put them in uh, video rooms around every home ground in the NRL and have a video referee sit there and make decisions based on a TV that they actually see what the hell's going on. That's what the issue was before we went to the bunker. You had referees looking at vision on a small screen in standard definition um, at the ground. Now we've got this fandangle bunker with all these fancy TVs. You've still got the same Muppets in there making the decisions. Surely they could do that and have them linked in with what's going on as far as... They don't need to be linked as, into anyone. No, but with the TV cameras and all the different angles and give them what they need without they having are. to have something like the bunker. They are. Go and sit the referee in the truck then. You can, like, something. It doesn't matter what... <laughs> Have him sit next to the director. I'm just more confused. They're saying, oh, We're you know, spending how much? What are we spending on it a year? Oh, like $2 million or something. That's like ridiculous Hopefully amount of money. Put that fucking money into grassroots. I'm just more confused as to how... What's the amount difference? of AFL posts that are popping up everywhere. Money could be better spent elsewhere. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand the difference of, all right, well, if we take the player out of there and the current referee, we might have a bit more of a clearer decision. Like I've still oh. seen referees who have been in there get it wrong this year. So yeah, exactly. Ben exactly. Lowe is one of the players. Ben Galeer, Brian Norrie, Bo Scott. But, like, you know, if they're in there arguing with one another, like, you know, that's obviously but, not But whether thing. it's a former player or a referee, the rules are the fucking rules. Yeah. They're not for interpretation between someone who is an official and someone who is an ex-player. Yeah, well, the rule is the rule. This is what, I, I, what frustrates me with officials and refereeing and interpretations. It's fucking black and white. We've, we've created a game of grey, of grey area. Well, the big one from the weekend was a Lindsay Collins one. and it was re- That was such a bad call. From, from my opinion, I would think that sort of decision would have come from a referee overthinking it rather than an ex-player. I, th- I thought any player would but have that, But that's the whole that problem. Watch the footage. It doesn't matter try. how you digest that footage, whether you're, you know, a 60-year-old man in a pub or a 10-year-old girl watching footy for the first time and you're explaining the rule. You should just That should just be a slam dunk try when you play the ball and you just you can't go anywhere and three blokes have a crack at you and you score a soft front row but it's not even about any of that it's about who did he impact or whose chance did he take away no one the player ran the long way around right that was the player's fault for putting himself in that position I don't think he was they had um, no line speed disadvantage they didn't get get in front they didn't deserve to be saved it's just a pile of shit decision and yeah I'm, I'm losing faith with Graham Annesley a little bit in terms of where he's going and it just seems like we're doing the same thing. Every Everyone who comes into that role sort of says, you know, I'm going to do this and do that and I'm going to simplify things and, you know, good on him, good on him for trying to simplify things but we're just going back to the system we had before. We wasted all this money. Well, we waste so much money as a game. 
we'll wait and see. But now it's the officials only. So blokes that are refereeing will be having more cracks in the bunker. So Maxwell, Steve Clark, etc. All those blokes will be getting one-out decisions in there. There'll be no interpretation or arguments or whatever's been happening. And, and what I will say is I think the coaches are... are uh are causing some of these problems as well. I think they are too. Because if, if, I'm, if I'm a head coach and I walk into a press conference and we've got a good call and there's been a bad bunker call and someone asks me a question about that call and I believe... And I'm then going to give a response based on the fact that my team benefited from it and not give my honest appraisal of that decision, that's where, that's where we've got to as a game. We're happy to take the calls when they go for us from a coach's perspective, but you know we then really want to uh, blow up and stamp our feet and carry on when the decisions go against us. The decision is the decision. It should just be the right decision because there's swings and roundabouts in this game, and you know you might get one or two go your way, but there's always going to be one coming back around the corner that's going to bite you in the ass. Um, and I think the the fact that we've got you know a handful of coaches on these rules committees, like the, the whole system around our rules and interpretations and who makes decisions and committees and it's just all out of whack so out of whack we need strong leadership we need to simplify rules instead of bringing in fucking rules every year like this year we brought in the 2040 how many 2040s have you seen oh again how like why did we bring it in honestly it's a stupid rule if you want to roll the dice i'm like you bit even if you have a a stupid rule even if you have a bad yardage set that is so desperate to think that you're going to kick play three or play four from inside your 20 to try and get out. You're just going to bunker down, put a long kick in and try and turn it out with your defense. Yeah. It's such a low percentage. You got me down the rabbit hole. That it's pointless. And but I've got nothing against referees. I love referees. Nah. Um, I, I, I feel as though, and they are super crucial to our game, um, but I feel as though they are just put in a position where they can't win. I think the one referee where, thing is because if you get eight people in a room and you allow interpretation, you are never going to have consistency across a snapshot of people, whether it's four, whether it's 50. You're never going to have a consistent um, interpretation across any amount of, of, of a group of people. And that's what we've got in the game at the moment. We've got eight referees walking out there every week with different interpretation of specific rules because interpretation is allowed in the rules. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I think... Well, we'll say one thing. I think the one referee has been a positive. I do think some have almost, you know, maybe forgotten a little bit about the ruck restart. Some are still going hard. Some are basically put the whistle away. Which... But that's the thing. Isn't that right? Like, the interpretation around that. We've, we've now got some referees who were given, given them away one in every probably four sets. We've got others who were given away one or two a game. Mm. How is there such a discrepancy? That word, and don't tell me that don't tell me that doesn't impact results because it does. No, it does. But it that impacts word, like you results. Said again, interpretation. Some are happy to let the ruck go a bit more than others. Some are cracking down on it. But the whole point was to try and speed up the game, make it a bit cleaner. I think for the most mm. part they've done a good job, and I've enjoyed the one referee change. But yeah, it's a little bit of a worry when you see pretty obvious ones like that get pulled up, and you don't want to have yeah. that happening in finals. And like the other week, I didn't like the change with the the crusher tackle. I thought that no. combined with this sort of thing heading into the finals are two things you definitely. Will be a little Did bit the Panthers about. players get charged? There was one there. I think it was... Who was it? For a crasher. Maybe Dylan Edwards got penalised for one. I don't think uh, it went on a report. I, remember. I think uh, the only one... Kurt Mann, I think, got charged for the weekend. You'd have to look up where you are there. You'd yeah, I'm going to have a screw. News and then click on Judiciary in the top corner and it'll let you know. But uh, <clears throat> Yeah. 
that's a change. I don't, I don't know if it's going to make a huge difference, but now only officials that are doing week-to-week, no ex-players are involved with the bunker. So. What a polish. Fingers crossed we don't have any uh, issues come finals time. We're so only we're, two weeks we're changing the rules again but as yeah. we go. Maguire, I think, was up for two weeks, maybe one, depending if they take the guilty plea, Asiata. Yep, there you got that, Asiata. Was there any charges for crushes? It was only Mann, wasn't it? Andrew Davey. Mann was actually the week before, wasn't he? He didn't play this week. I can't even bloody remember now. Don't know. Move on. But yeah, there you go. Set of six done into the power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Center. It's that time of year. It's getting nice and warm out here in the Riff. It almost had 30 today. We've got the windows open in here tonight. Stun the fan on. Yeah, if you've heard a few cars or bits and pieces, that's why, because we don't want to sweat it up. But I tell you what, it's getting warm at work. It's uh, gone very quickly from being freezing cold and wearing extra layers in the morning to just yeah. back to the one layer. 30 degrees having a dig, but it's the time. Get on board. We absolutely murdered our summer bills last year. They were cut in half in winter with a few small changes, running the dishwasher during the day and a few bits and bobs. We cut that bill on less than half as well. So been the best investment we've ever made. So tackle your rising pill, uh, power bills head on this season. With the help of Solar Energy, the team at Penrith Solar Centre are passionate about helping Western Sydney sin-bin electricity bills for good. Find out how they can help you and your family the big winners this season with quality solar solutions for your home. Visit www.penrithsolar.com.au or give them a call on 1800 20 29 30. Brock's head number one, the Panthers. I've got the Roosters. All right. I bumped the Roosters up. So I think I've had Penrith there for, well, it must be almost 10 weeks. Uh, they're down to number two. I've got the Roosters up. I think right now, if the Roosters play Penrith, the Roosters will win. Yeah, well, I've got the Roosters at number two. And yep. again, I think getting the players back, everyone's saying, oh, you can't just click into gear. I thought they basically proved that last year that they could. They they cruised along and when finals came, their defense just came out to play. They've scored 50 good. more points than any other team in the competition. Yeah. And when their defense needs to come out in a big game, like we saw, um, was it last week? I'm trying to think about like When they turn up for a big game like that Canberra one, their defense is just absolutely outstanding. Yeah. So I've got them up at number two now. Number three. Storm. The Storm. I think good results, very consistent across the year. But again, on a big day up against the full strength Roosters, I'm not 100% sure. I'd be more confident against Penrith. That's no shot at Penrith from their talent. I think they're absolutely outstanding. But just over an 80 minutes, been able to drag them down and make it ugly. I think Melbourne probably have a better chance there. But I still think they're probably the third best team at this point in time. Yeah. Four. Raiders. Raiders, yeah. Doing well, still kicking goals and moving along. A bit of improvement their halves. A lot of those young forwards have stepped up. Starling stepped up. Uh, I think they get Soliola back, but I'm not sure if Horsberg's going to be back and even Gula now. Both, though, are hopeful of getting back in the rotation. It's not looking likely. Mm. So uh, they've done a real, real good job considering the circumstances and without Hodgson. But, yeah, I'm not sure they're quite in the league of those top three. Number five, I've got South. I've got the Eels. I'll bump the Eels back up. Right. Uh, I don't know. I know Seas dusted them a few weeks ago, but yeah. um, I just feel like the Eels have got more upside in them than what the Rabbitohs do. But yeah, they're on the same tier for me. I've got them side by side. If I had to pick, if they were playing this weekend on a neutral field, I'd pick the Eels. Mm. I got the Eels at six again. Yeah. I think Brown was the most important piece. Reed obviously is important because they just don't have any other nines. And Moses basically looked like a professional kicker on the weekend. He's not willing to engage. He's not willing to dig into the line. He won't get physical. He was just literally kicking off the back foot, running for his life, and defensively, you can spot him up too. Yeah. Um, Brown, I think, won't be available till about week two. 
if they do somehow fall out of the top four, I'd be a bit worried week one. I'm, I'm not saying they lose week one, but if there's no Dylan Brown and Moses plays the way he is and their forward pack in particular is just really taking a few steps backwards they've the way they're into, playing. They've run into Cronulla, please. Or if they played Newcastle or someone, I'm they sure built both those they ones. could drag it into a bit of a dogfight at least, yeah. but... Yeah, they need to kick back into gear very soon. I think there's daylight between six and the rest. Well, number seven, I've got Newcastle. Yeah, Knights, Sharks. Yeah, they pumped Newcastle, uh, the Sharks the week really, before. Our top our power rankings should go to a top six. Yeah, well. Forget the rest. The eight is down, but there you go. There's the power rankings. Penrose Solar Center, get on board if you're looking for assistance this summertime. And even if you're not in Sydney, Western Sydney, Blue Mountains area like we are, we've helped out plenty of people before through Penrose Solar Center. They're willing to always help out and recommend people within your area who will give you quality solar solutions. www.penrosolar.com.au or give them a call, 1800 20 29 Reviews of the games for the weekend, Boxhead. South, 26-24, uh, up 20 nil. It looked like it was going to be a dead set carve-up. Mm. Thought the Tigers had rolled over and then South just kind of fell asleep. A couple of soft tries, Garner crashes in play five and they grabbed another one just before half-time and it's 20-12 and then second half... Again, we, we saw the Tigers that we should have saw for the full 80 minutes. They come to the party a little bit too late. Absolutely. And in the end, they ran out of time. Brooks's punch, first time I've ever seen him kind of get agitated. I'll tell you or, what, he, he th- didn't try a bad punch. I know. But it's the first time I've ever seen him kind of snap or show a bit of rage. Oh, Brooksy? No, it's good. I liked it. So, I, you he, know, I don't like the fact that they're I punching each other. No, nah, I thought but, the 12 one, I just did not get. I liked the, the passion and the aggression. Yeah. The, the twelve sin bin for me was just devastating. 2012, you're back in the game. He didn't need to hold on. They basically scrambled and he just laid in there. Yeah, not The so punch, good. getting at 12-11, I think the game kind of got a bit off tilt, so it probably helped the Tigers in a way. They ended up conceding right at the end of that period. But, yeah, the one prior to that with twelve, I thought all the hard work just before halftime has gone out the window. But to their credit, they fought on. Benji, uh, he rolled the dice. He came up with a couple of absolute corkers. I think Kapoa could have scored a second if he was up on one of those passes that was there for him on a platter. But yeah. in the end, a lot of people lay in the boot and go, oh, that kick was horrible. But at the same time, if Benji's not on the field, they're not in the game. Look, honestly... You take the good with the bad. The, the Tigers need to learn how not to lose before they can win. And they, they just know how to lose games. They lose yeah. games before they give themselves a chance to win. Mm. They're down 20 nil. They had two plays in How How the hell do you expect to win games? Yeah. But that Simple as that. That intent and the passion and everything that should come early on in a game to get in a contest doesn't come until the pressure's off and it's like, oh, well, it's gone now. You know, they lost possession. They lost time in possession. They had a worse completion rate. You know, what what, what more do you want? Yeah, they come to the party too late. It's um, losing, they're losing numbers. And why Souths definitely should have gone on with it. More errors, conceded more penalties. Start like that. Start how they start playing after 25, 30 minutes. If they put 80 together, they'd have a couple more wins yeah. this season. They'd be playing final football. Oh, and Madge would be all over it. Matt, uh, Maguire totally understands. He, he'd be drumming all the stuff yeah. that we've just spoken about there <laughs> is what he would be feeding be his even, team. Even more frustrating. Oh, it would be. On weeks like it this. It would be. Not weeks where they get dusted, but weeks like this where are like, really? Why did it take 20 points for us to suddenly go, oh, we'll just play football? Just play football from yeah, the start. And as soon as we get back in the game, we have a sin bin. Yeah. Or we give away a penalty. Or we make a dumb error. Or we kick the ball dead. You know? They're things that Michael McGuire is not in the coach's box or in the game, uh, in the change rooms pre-game saying, hey, boys, at critical moments, let's kick the ball dead. Yeah. Hey, boys, at critical moments, let's, let's miss tackles. Let's lay in and give away a sin bin. You know, like, come on. Yeah. But regardless, McGuire is coaching the shit out of that side. And um, 
he's just coming up rocks at the moment, but he'll get to diamonds eventually, and those players are just going to keep buying in and working hard. Mm. And those who don't move on. We'll get well, they'll get Which is what, again. We yeah. said before they can't. The club can't bow to weak culture and people that don't want to work hard and have high yeah. standards. If they don't want to be there with that coach, leave. Or be around difficult conversations. So, high standards. Yeah. The standards are too high. Well, if the standards are too high, then too low. Yeah, 100%. Well, I thought, like I said again, that last play wasn't great, but without Benji, they don't get back in that game. Yeah. Uh, Harry Grant was great again. Nofaluma, always trying. Lucci, pretty solid. And on the south side, Cody Walker. Cody Walker had his hand in just about everything good that happened again, linking up on both sides of the field. Those swing plays, they're great. Running the football, attack on the line. Um, Sewer, again, it's one of those guys weekly that keeps getting brought up, but his development this year, he's just a hit man. That, that's an edge if I'm a back rower or a half. I just don't run that edge. He's close to the most improved player in the competition. You come into the vicinity of that bloke, you're getting sat down. Yeah. He's just. He he's really scratched last year. He, he struggled, but yeah, he God, this year on, he's gone well. He's got his confidence back. Uh, and Big Tommy, again, I think he's had a pretty good year. He has had a good year. He's really picked up and carried the burden of them not having middles and without Tatola there who has been really underrated they've done a good job together had to pick up the slack but uh, yeah for South generally everything good comes off Cody Walker he had his hand in most of their good moments there the other night line breaks and setting things up so um, yeah yeah. I, I still think moving forward that bit of that momentum they picked up and the, the loss against Melbourne last week I don't really know if they're a threat but yeah week one if they played one of those two sides bit like you said before if it's Canberra and South versus Newcastle and the Sharks, I think they're both moving on a week too. Would agree. So, moving on from that one, Manly Dogs thirty-two twenty. I don't really have a lot to say about this one except the Bulldogs, same old, same old. They they give their all, they start fast, they try to hang in for eighty minutes, but they just can't do it. Yeah, uh, they play winning football, but they just do not have the. They don't have the talent. They don't have they the play talent. For eight. God, this game was a pile of shit. It was hard to watch. You know, the one thing that kills me again, and I've said this all year, Jake Avrilo is a six, and He's I wanted to play. see him play there, and he finally got his chance, but the one thing I kept saying, I want to see him play six by foreigns there. Mm. And it killed me the other night, because afterwards, there's someone going, oh, he came in, and I'm like, well, he's playing off the back of a beaten pack. He's playing without a dominant partner or a real good halves partner or someone to take the kicking away and just get him to do the running and the best pieces he does. And I just, I saw that enough of what I like about Jake Avrilo. But I would have loved to have seen it earlier when Forum was still healthy. The Bulldogs' defence is their biggest issue. Like, honestly, tell me whatever you want. If people that like Lachlan Lewis or Wakeham, wherever, you're all fucking kidding yourselves if you think they're better halves than Avarillo. Avarillo is a genuine Yeah, but six. again, you're splitting hairs. I, I don't think it's so much... Like, it is about their attack. If, if you want to see... It's about their defence. You, like, see... you can't concede 32 points and hope No, to I get that. But if you want to see what you've got, which is basically what they've done this whole year, how at any stage, with all the rotations and chopping and changer and cogger and this guy and that guy, did you not try this kid that's been so prolific all through the juniors for it and played six with Kieran Fine. You've tried all these other partners. But this guy's potent, probably your future number six. And now he gets a game back into the season, Fine's out, everything's kind of gone out the window. You're missing multiple players. Like, Yeah, not he's not, not saying that he was outstanding, but there was enough glimpses there for me to go. If he was there when Fine had some of those better games as compared to the partners he had, maybe they do win one or two more games because I think he would have been a great partner for Kieran Fine. But they blew the lead. They got run down. Manly, similar deal. Started flat. Looked like they did a few weeks before. A bit lackluster, but just came over the top. The middles in particular had a field day. Fenua Blake, Tapau, Big Paseca scored that easy try. Cherry Evans had his hands over everything, as his hat do, um, without the help there. We've, we've said it a million times. The two nines were the big underrated pieces that nobody mentioned. And we talked about it very early on. Yeah. I know Tom's been the one that's been sprouted as the big piece, but the two hookers are huge losses. 
Tom's obviously been critical, but you can't understate what those two nines did for that manly side last year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. For the Bulldogs, stick with Arrilo the last few rounds. Any other kids they've got outside of that squad, James Romanos, uh, Tua there's a couple of guys there. Like, again, what do you got to lose? Yeah. I know George Alice is probably trying to put his best foot forward. As you said, he's trying to get a job and he's trying to get rid of that wooden spoon, but whether you, you know, the next coach is not your responsibility, but realistically, if you're moving on from that club, my gift to them would be to try and blood or get as many guys in before the year ends as possible. Guys that are probably fit to play first grade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. If there's anyone else they think is left, I'd be playing in the next two weeks. That's the best thing I think you could do. Manly, they're talking Tommy's back this week. I just don't get it. Yeah, I'll, forget your origin campaign. I said this before. I don't know. Fitler said like he'd still pick him. If I'm manly, I'm sitting down and going, mate, you've missed that much football. We're paying you a million dollars. Like the season's done. I don't want him playing. We can't play finals. If I'm a manly fan, I don't want him playing. There's no point. Yeah, I just, I don't get it. I really don't. Dylan Walker, same deal. Like Dylan Walker, you may be right, you may be not right. They may not be keeping him there. I don't know. So maybe they're not too worried about. It and he wants to play to put his best foot forward. I'm sure someone will pick him up, but. If I've got anyone now that's coming off a big injury with a game or two left, they're just not playing. Yeah. There's no point. Similar deal again. If you've got new kids like your Schusters, your Albert Hopperwides that you like in your squad, there's Ben Trebojevic. If he's ready to go, this is the time to do it. It's basically a free roll of the dice. Yeah. Panthers, Eels, 20-2. to two. Uh, There's been plenty of opinions given out on this one. Probably the, the biggest thing for me that was just not stated. A lot of people are like, you know, the attack was bad and or Parramatta did so good with their defense. They like, Read in all those bits and pieces what you will or take whatever opinion you want. The thing for me is Penrith's defense. Their defense is outstanding. They were absolutely relentless for 80 minutes. They dominated Parramatta. They yep. pinned Parramatta. They killed play one and two. They got great line speed. The, the thing that impressed me more than anything is not only are they really good at controlling the tackles and getting their numbers in, but they're still physical. Their contact is savage. They drive backwards. They're not happy to stand there and dance, as we call it, and just get levers and drop to the ground. Not only do they take control of the body, they just pick blokes up like they're a bag of 20-kilo potatoes, just a sack of potatoes and drag them backwards and body slam. Yep. They give zero fucks, and they did it for the whole game. And I just felt like we literally watched Parramatta get bashed inside their own 30 for 80 minutes, bar a few times where they got a penalty or Penrith handed the ball over. They literally could not get out of their own end because of how relentless the line speed was, the contact, their control of the game, and just watching Mitchell Moses constantly catching overs under pressure, looking like a professional NFL punter. He had no influence on the game. He just spent the whole time running for his life kicking. So forget anything else. Yes, Penner for Scrappy. Yes, they should have scored more. Parramatta did well to probably strip or get a hand on the ball, make contact on the ball two or three times. Should have been 40 points or something. Yeah, it probably should have been. But that defensive performance more than anything I'll take out of that game is the part I look at and go, that will beat the Roosters or Penrith if you can post some tries. If you can put that sort of defensive effort, forget your attack, against those two teams, that's more likely to win your competition. 
than Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary, kick out, these flashy edges and all the bits and pieces. That defense is what will win Penrith the title in 2020, not yep. their attack. That's the bit, the one thing that no one's taken out of that performance. They're all whinging about the attack. Para good, para bad. None of that. I'm just looking at that defense. Yeah. Yeah, I just question the quality of Parramatta's attack. That's all. Yeah, um, but definitely. Penrith can only defend what's in front of them. They've got a great defensive record. Uh, they've been scrappy the last two weeks. I do have my concerns over some specific parts of their game and the way the Roosters are playing at the moment. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a ding-dong battle if they do face off mm. uh, in the finals. But um, I give the Roosters the edge at the moment based on the fact that they've been there, done it. They're a little bit more experienced. Uh, and I just like them in a big game over Penrith. But um, Penrith, I think Penrith and the Roosters, if anyone else wins the comp outside those two, I would honestly fall over. I think they're that far ahead. Um so, yeah, I think you're really splitting hairs, and we're not going to know because they, they haven't played each other since round one. There's been a COVID break since then. The yeah. Roosters have had injuries. The Panthers are a significantly more uh, different side than what they were round one. They've got so much more confidence. They've blooded, um, you know, players like Stephen Crichton and Jerome Lewis come into his own. Nathan Cleary's come out of COVID Liam in a Martin, totally different... Yeah, Martin. Back rowers, Dylan Charlie Edwards Stark. has like improved been, out of yeah. sight in the last month. You know, I had question marks over whether he could, he should be the fullback in the finals. And I got that totally wrong. He's been fantastic the last two weeks, Dylan Edwards. That's, you know, I'm happy to put my hand up and say that, um, not not that my, me questioning was un, unfounded because I, I do think there were some things there that I had right to question, but his, his performances over, particularly the last fortnight, have been outstanding for the Panthers. And I still don't think, similar to you, I don't think he's But I, got... I line him up against Tedesco and I go, well, he's not at a no, Tedesco. he's not a game-breaker, but as far as his output, his work... Yeah, he's I doing th- a fantastic I, job. I think you can tick a lot of little boxes for him that a lot of other fullbacks probably don't do. He's got a lot of good qualities in the fact that his engine is relentless. He covers the ball. He doesn't let it bounce. He's always there. He's always in the game. He's constantly carrying. But yeah, he's not a game-breaker. He's not going to come up with a line break or an offload or a flashy pass to finish something off. But you do know that he's going to work his ass off in the back. He's going to be around the football all the time. He's going to catch kicks on the full. Yeah, three hundred and thirty something meters in the weekend. A bunch of they're back three in general. I think racked up eight hundred. Yeah. So that were great for Parramatta. I think again, like you put questions on someone like Moses, who's a different player to Brown. But at times when you're desperate inside yardage or you can't go forward, get some width. At a pass, play away from where they're thick if they're jamming up in the middle and trying to wipe you out. Don't just keep playing one out into the guts. Kick on play three or something. Try and catch someone at the back or one out and get on the fullback. Or when you're putting your shift players on, change something. Nothing changes for Parramatta. It's all the same. And unlike Brown, Mitchell Moses, when things are bad, is not willing to get the football and try to have a carry or a run or make things better. Like We saw it in that CS game and they were getting their asses handed to him. Dylan Brown's playing on that ankle, which ended up needing surgery. The bloke makes a clean line break off his own bat where he just goes, give me the football, I'll make something happen. Yeah, Clean line break. Different sort of player, but again, we're talking about a guy who's been touted for years and years and years now and has given us small glimpses, and we're talking about a 19-year-old kid. We shouldn't be sitting here right now going, the most important player for Parramatta's attack is a 19-year-old. But that's the fact right now. Truly is a fact that Dylan Brown, to me, is the most important cog in their halves as far as their creativity and, the, and it's been proven again on the edges yeah. the left edge is where it's been at this year and all that's been off Dylan Brown 
No argument. Wanga Blake mm. on the right, in particular, is one that needs to... Anyone that thought that that was a bad move by Penrith now, I think you're eating your words. Defensively, I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, I don't uh, think it needs in to... In attack, just been horrendous. They got pulled apart down that edge. Yeah. Um, and the forward pack. Five or six times. It's time to get angry, because... Yeah, they, they need to get back to going through the front door, yeah. not trying to go through the side door. They're playing side-to-side footy. Uh, and yeah, they're not as physical. No, they're not. So they need, to get, back to they need to get back to that. Like, yeah, Paulo, Campbell, Gillard, everyone that started with a big bang at the start of the year, uh, they need to get back to where they were. Yeah. Because right now, they're definitely not really a feared pack. I think they're just pretty much so-so. They've got two weeks to fix it. Yeah. So... See what happens there. For Penrith, uh, a couple of players been rested this week, more because of injury and circumstances. But again, two weeks here to possibly rest a couple of guys. Will they? Won't they? I don't know. But uh, rather than the attack and all the other bits that got brought out of it, I was just more looking at the defence going, if that's the kind of thing they're going to dish up against a Melbourne or a Roosters, that'll take you further than your attack will. That'll keep you in a game. Yeah, well, sorts. it's it's when you get those periods of possession against you, you need to be able to turn teams away. Mm. Parramatta only hit like 36% of the ball. That's I think a lot that's of that unheard infli- of. A lot of that was inflicted by I, I understand that. I understand that. Penrith inflicted but that upon them. 36 that, that's such a huge gap in, in possession. Time possession was 40 minutes, Penrith, 20 Parramatta. Mm. They were outstanding. They really were. Um, should have been more on the scoreboard yet, but I was more enamored with the defense. I thought it was great. Uh, Penrith's defense. Yeah. Yeah, oh, see, I thought Parramatta's was fairly good as well. Online, I thought they did well. They Considering had a couple of saves, how, how, much, how much pill they they gave away. And don't buy into, I heard someone against what, me. Line break, 7-0 to Penrith. Yeah. What was the missed tackles? Because this is the one that got me. Media or someone today, I can't remember where I was listening to, was like, oh, the missed... 41 Parramatta, 17 Penrith. But if you average that out in possession, yeah. it's about bang on. But someone was going, the missed tackles were... I'm like, yeah, but they scrambled. They saved a little trot. Like, when you're scrambling and you're on the back foot... Effective tackle percentage was almost identical. Yeah, so that's my point. Missed tackles can be deceiving. They made, they made 120 more tackles overall. Yeah, so it's deceiving stats sometimes. Like, they, yes, they missed tackles. Or Penrith rolled on them and they had... Yeah, but it needs to half, be relative but... to the amount of tackles made. Yeah, they scrambled yeah. well. They saved multiple tries, like... The missed tackle count's probably lower. Don't, don't even worry about missed tackles. Don't worry about... Just look at a tech, effective tackle percent. That's yeah, well, the, that's the stat it, you I need to I really didn't think it was as bad as what it was made. Well, of. I'll tell you how bad the Bulldogs are. They're, they're at low 80s. There you go. Low 80s. So they're almost, I would say... Oh, we're going to get to Brisbane in a minute. They're basically but, 90% along with the Panthers. Yeah, which is huge considering how much fatigue and they, they would have about. saved about four or five tries. So... Yeah. And a lot of time, again, misses come in scramble to save. That's a missed tackle... Like, if you miss a tackle scramble, that's different than just looking at a guy who's been bumped over eight times. Yeah. Like the scoreboard would reflect a lot worse generally if you've missed forty something tackles. So moving yeah. on from that one. Raiders thirty seven eight against the Dragons. Uh a little bit of early energy from the Dragons, but you know, after that late intercept got called back fourteen out at half time, I thought, you know what, we might have a game on our hands. They were a bit chippy. Uh, they got stuck in. They conceded some pretty soft tries, like the way Canberra got their try, especially the Hudson Young one, I was like, that's a concern, but when Ramsey got those tries on debut, which is always awesome to see, and almost got the hat-trick before half-time, I'm thinking, all right, well, if they come out with similar kind of intent, we might have a game on our hands. But they just absolutely folded in the second half. Mm-hmm. It was not pretty to watch. They got cut up the middle, pulled apart on their edges. Anywhere Canberra wanted to go, basically, in the second half, it was just an non-event. Um, it's a real disappointing way for things to unfold at the back end of the year because after the send-off for Mary, I guess, and... Showing a bit of effort against Brisbane, an ugly game. It just seems again as though every single week. But aren't we really? Are we overvaluing 
the ability of the dragons. Uh, they're just not a good. They're just not a good side. Well, I think a lot of people now are overvaluing the roster because they keep saying, "Oh, they've got Hunt and Norman." No, and yes, they got. So, they've yeah, all, they've they're, all played rep football, but they're not playing to that. They've played finals in three years now. So, yeah. So stop talking about a lot of guys aren't paying up to that. What standard. they should be. Let's look at what they are. Mm. What they're producing. A bad football team, right? And what they're producing at the moment is bottom eight football. And like we said before, you've got your hooker playing lock because you don't have your lock. You've got your $1.2 million look, half. Canberra, let's, let's be honest. Canberra are a shadow of what they were this time last year. Mm. This time last year, they would have put 50 on the Dragons. Like, oh, that's not taking anything away from Canberra. Uh, but it's more reflection Dra- than yeah, the Dragons are. That's they, right. They still almost like, got 40. Exactly. I think I, like, I look at Canberra and go... This, for me, with the injuries they've got, is huge for them for next season. Massive. Because you put Gula and you put Horsberg back in and the development of Hudson Young and getting Harawira and Naira, Hodgson back in your team, Starling is your new backup along with Havili who plays as a middle of nine. Like, things are looking real good for Canberra. Harley Smith-Shield's got a game. Valame's very raw, but he's getting some game time. Now, I'm just seeing development in all those guys and thinking they're 30 next year when healthy. He's going to be a hell of a lot better, like, Kotrick moves on. Yeah, sure. You know, he's a good player. But as far as what they've got out of this injury and what they've been through, a lot of guys that have came in have done more than a serviceable enough job. So they're, they're going to have a really well-rounded top 30. Yeah, I agree. And I think the improvement here with Hodgson going out has accelerated the growth of players like Jack Whiten and George Williams. Mm. Williams, I think, has flattened out a little bit. But I think Jack just continues to improve. He's been great. Yeah. So... Yeah, a lot, a lot of those kind of fringe guys. The big one for me, and finally seen his best football, Joe Tapine. Yeah, he's Joe had Tepine, an Tapine, the last few weeks, just looks like he's finally realised what he's meant to do. Instead of getting involved in niggle, or he's getting injured or suspended every couple of weeks now, and in and out of games, he's just been super aggressive. And the late footwork, the bounce he's got in his feet, he's just making blokes miss. He's getting between defenders. Like him and Papali, when they start that tandem, they've been outstanding. Um, yeah. Corey, Hudson Young, if he keeps the crap out of his game, he, he, he could be a great player long-term for them. So plenty of positive for the Dragons. Love seeing a good debut uh, for Ramsey. Pity he couldn't get the win. But other than that, I didn't see a lot of positives. I really didn't. McInnes has missed a consistency every week. You know what you're going to get out of him. But um, there's a lot of guys there on big pay packets and rep footballers that need to have a good hard look in the mirror. Um, and yeah, they're in the same boat again. Like We saw Ramsey on the weekend. For the rest of this season, they've got all these guys on the fringe that we've, they've looked at or touted or had there for a while. Your season's done. Yeah. Get them in. You've got Eddie Blacker, who they've talked about for two years, who still hasn't played, a big front row. They've just re-signed both the Fagai twins, Matt and Max. If that's your future, and Aiken's moving on, <coughs> um, you've got Pereira, Ravalawa, Ramsey getting games, put the fee guys in together. Yeah. Forget results now. Green shoots. If Norman's not playing up the stand and you're not happy, if Jaden Sullivan's ready to go, the kid from the Steelers, Play him with Clune. I don't care if you basically play a New South Wales Cup side. If you want to get a good look, I don't get that sometimes at the back end of years. Like, blokes almost get sympathy games or yeah. he might be leaving or, you know, I don't know. Like, well, no. Even if you want to split him in half the next two weeks and find a way to get two or three of them in. Now's the time to put those guys in and go, well, yep, good player. No, nah, he's not up to it or whatever. But if you think they're ready to go and they're part of your long-term plan, game time. Agree. So, and I think Young has got the relationship with uh, Griffin by the sounds of things because he basically said if it wasn't going to be him that he recommends him for the job where they might be able to talk and say... I think Brown will be gone. Can we play a couple of these guys? Oh, Young, sorry, not Brown. I, don't know what I think Young will be gone, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing I was going to say before he moved on. For someone that recommended him and would be happy to work under him, I think 
a lot of the talk now is people around him are basically telling him that it'd be better for his long-term development and potential to come back there if he probably goes elsewhere and learns under a different coach or goes to a different environment. And as you've just mentioned, it seems like he's definitely not short of options. Yeah. They're talking about Peyton and the Cowboys being an option, potentially Newcastle or Ferner leave. So I think it's a good thing as well because otherwise that perception probably plays on in a couple of years if he is still there, that we're just hiring another one of our own from internally with the Dragons. Yeah. Whereas if he goes out and he does a good job and comes back, Yes, you're hiring one of your own, but he's at least gone out and broadened his horizons. Agree. Yeah. So I don't think that would be a bad thing. Maybe Griffin really wants him and he wants to stay, but from the other flip side, maybe Griffin says, well, I agree. Maybe it is best that you do go. But it seems like they're going to have a complete sweep of the board because no doubt Flanagan, Shepard have already been told they're moving on. There's still murmurs that Flanagan's favoured by some of the Sharks people, which is going to be crazy. Yeah, to see who knows? Let's not get into that. That Talk plays fucking, out. But... sick of talking about Shane Flanagan. Yeah. Where he's going to go and it'll just work, it'll work itself out. Who cares? But yeah, for any of those guys that are on the fringe there, now's the time again. Get him in like you got Cody Ramsey. Have a look before the end of the year. Um, but yeah, he's definitely got some decisions to make with some big contracts moving forward. I think there may be a player or two come early next year that we hear about being pushed to the. Open They've got market. players who are overvalued. They're paying more for players who are performing below what they're what they're on. Simple as that. So they need to sort it out. Good signs from Canberra. Uh, Soliola potentially back this week, which is another help for their middle rotation. Um, and yeah, they've been ticking along even without those players. So who knows? They might be able to pull themselves to something like a prelim. I can't see them winning the comp, but I, I, I could definitely see them making it a week through, playing the right style of the game yeah, who knows? Um, on the right day. They've got to beat someone in the top four to get the last round. Titans and Broncos, 18 6. Your opinion? The Broncos are a basket case. <laughs> Because the Titans, you know, the Titans were there for the Bulldogs to beat. The Titans were there for the Broncos to beat this week. Oh, I certainly gave them enough chances. Oh, they, they, just the amount of errors. errors Brisbane, and... Brisbane are such a bad team. Such a bad team. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it was apparently all Seabold's fault. Yeah. Well, Seabold's been gone for a month, and they, they're, that's as bad as they've played all year. Well, I, I just can't weekend. believe... Like they, Corey Oates, like, how many times he dropped the, just dropped the ball oh, cold? Man. Inside 20s, ball good ball. Cold, man. Stags drops one, Pakes drops one, Fafita drops one, oh. Stags gets held. Like just the amount of times I felt like we were just watching them attack inside twenty, yeah, and be turned away or fluff it or drop the ball. And then the Titans would make an error and give them a chance to come back. But on the flip side, credit to the Titans' goal line defense. But at the same time, what the Broncos threw at them, uh, yeah, pretty average. Not a lot of good things. And again, probably the most consistent thing for Brisbane is... Oh, look, I was, I was wrapped for the Titans to win. Oh, 100%. Um, as a Titans fan. But this was an absolute pile of shit game. It was terrible. Awful. No doubt. Absolutely awful. awful. So... Seven wins. Good result. We're all, yeah, Top we're, we're, we're equal with the Warriors, the West Tigers. Yeah. Like, we're equal with all those You're sides. So, yeah. So we're going well. Good and I, look, I think we're a fair chance of beating Manly. I think we're a fair chance of beating Newcastle. And I think the other sign, the again, of a good coach is getting some guys, again, that probably were on the outer on big contracts not deliver and playing well. Well, like, the Titans have made the most errors, given away the most penalties, had the most missed tackles in the comp. And we're... They're winning games. There you go. And again, it goes back to the stat. We talk about missed tackles, but when you look at it in games converting to points... They or, missed more tackles in this game. Yeah. But they're scrambling, and they're doing the right things, and they're holding like people 15 out. 15 so. errors from the Broncos. Hmm. 15 errors. And most of those in good ball with chances to score. 15 errors, man. That's, yeah, it's huge. That's a, that's a massive number. But like someone like Jared so Wallace. 15, 15 errors and you're in possession for 26 minutes. 
So it's an error almost every minute and a half. But someone like Jared Wallace for you, like he to me, he's been actually playing good footy. He's been outstanding last two weeks. That's the sign of a good coach and a good environment. And things turning around to the point where it's like, well, do the right thing, play good football, and stay here if you want to do that. Yeah. But that's the sign of things oh, going in the right direction. Ash Taylor, again, not really a big fan, but with Fogarty and the changes that have been made right now, he's actually starting to play some okay football. I still don't think he's worth a million. I don't know if he's part of the long term plan. Next 12 months will really play that out once they get a good forward pack in there and he's got Fogarty and more pieces around him. But, you know, he's getting the most out of him. Brimson's come straight back here and made a huge impact. We've seen all these guys, like a time of payer at Melbourne, who I didn't really have big raps on the games he's played, he's done well. Don's been in and out, done his job. Like, he's just getting the most out of what he's got. He's yep. done a really good job up there, Holbrook. He really is. Yep. So, for Brisbane, the best part for them, week in, week out, on the most consistent piece is Payne Haas, and now he's left the bubble, so... Super. It's going to be a hard week, I think, for Brisbane. A real hard week. If the doggies can somehow jag a win, they could avoid that spoon because I, I can't see Brisbane avoiding, uh, winning another game. And for Parramatta right now, as bad as the last few weeks have been, if they're not it's sitting there this time. week just going, we want to put 50 or 60 on Brisbane and just absolutely try and light these blokes up, they're kidding themselves as well. Yeah, they are. They're being handed an absolute gift right now to try and get some confidence back and run right. Mm-hmm. This is the week to do it. Play themselves into form. Roosters, Newcastle, absolute bloodbath. I guess you could Well, the air was taken out by the players being rested. Yeah. And Newcastle just aren't on their level. No. The thing I took out of this game was, uh, firstly, Boyd Cordner. That's a, that's a very, very serious issue. Yeah. Um, and it's just more eerie. Whether he should play again this year. They're talking about, oh, he might not play this in, week. It's in like, the week, though, around Jesus. the circumstances of his poor cousin. Like, yeah, rest I, in peace, Joel Rock. I get that. But the, that, the one issue yeah. for me out of this game was how well Sonny Bill played. He was very, very, very good. Well, they basically took the Radley role for 20-something minutes, put him in there, had him engage in the line. And if, if not, he's probably a better ball player. And not, I'm not a Sonny Bill dick rider, no, as some 100%. of our listeners like to, like to call us. But, the week before was an absolute piss um, he was yeah, I was impressed with Sunnyville yeah. out, out of this game. So you're talking purely football, and from a footballing point of view, on the weekend he was a threat. He was playing wide. Yeah, he played was getting, about thirty minutes yeah. as well. He was so playing wide. His time. He was getting deep into the line. He was a threat. He was drawing attention, and any time he passed or made any sort of movement with the football, it was to someone in a better position than him or a better situation. So if they inject him that way for 25, 30 minutes in a couple of games. Uh, and he, he just has that sort of attention to him, which he did on the weekend. 33 minutes. I think there was a couple of offloads as well. Every kind of pass, like you said, led to either a quick play the ball mm. or a line break or an offload. Like, there was just good stuff coming off the back of what he did. Mm. But I think looking at them on the weekend, I don't know if Orbison's part of the 17. Now maybe if they have an issue with Cordner, he finds his way back in. But I think their best 17, if Cordner's healthy and Sonny Bill's in there, is probably the team from the weekend. Yeah, look, you've highlighted it. Earlier, if teams want to win this comp, they need to be able to stop the Roosters from scoring points. And right at this point in time now, it'd only be like I give Melbourne a chance because Melbourne are just Melbourne. Craig Bellamy. Give Craig Bellamy like right now, Bellamy's working out how to stop Penrith and how to stop Melbourne, uh, how to stop the Roosters. I don't think he'd be concerned with anyone else because he knows if he's going to win a comp, he's probably going to have to hold those two sides to eighteen points or, or less in a game. Yeah, and they're going to have to score eighteen. Yeah. I think, I think Penrith, just like we said before, as far as the job they do, play one-two and pinning teams, yeah, and just aggression-wise, they would be a harder matchup for the Roosters. They'd probably give them less opportunities to roll up field and do a better job, like holding them in yardage. They're not going to be able to hold them completely, but 
But as compared to a Melbourne who do play that opposite style we're talking about, where they'll catch, roll back a little bit, try to kill the rucks and play on that, I think the Roosters would probably get more chances against Melbourne in their half as opposed to a Penrith and the way they like to defend and how aggressive they are. At the same time, though, I think the Roosters are more likely to use that aggression against Penrith or find any weakness if they do have one. And the only real weakness I've seen in Penrith this year, in all honesty, is in a few of those games where they got a big lead and they lapsed and it was the connection between probably Luai and Kikia that got exposed at times. If one of them was a bit lazy or one was caught out, but at the same time... Um, well, I just went back then and had a look. The last team to lose a grand final... Scoring 18 points is Manly in 2013. There you go. And you could go back. And they led that. Before that, you have to go back to 2001, Parramatta. And that was garbage time points. They scored 24. That was the Newcastle, wasn't it? Yeah. Newcastle had that game in the bag. So I think it was 24-0 at half time in Newcastle. So two teams in the last 20 years have scored 18 points and lost a grand final. So 18 really is that magic number. Mm. The Roosters, I used this word before, they're just... Variety, multiple, like. But I would say right now, I would almost guarantee if the Roosters play in the grand final this year, they're going to score 18 points. I'd probably say so too. They didn't last year, they did they? What did they get last not year? La- not last year. 14, 14 6, I think it was, it was last year. That was a tight game. But different. I think the rules are different this year. Yeah, 14 8. 100%. With the ruck rules the way they are. But I just think, yeah, middles, all skillful, all got tip ons. They can play tight, they can play with width, they push better than anyone, they support better than anyone. Kiri was definitely healthy this week. He was dominant back to his best. Tedesco flies around the field. Manu's got a license to roam because he's too good just to sit on his edge. He links up. Josh Morris has got the same license to roam. Their back three are outstanding. Tupo coming back in. The Morris is helping out like Manu, Teddy. There's not a one thing I can basically really pick out about the Roosters. I think the only thing that worries me, again, is injury. So if Cordner gets a knock or friend who's prone in a game to four, get a knock. Four teams in the history... Of rugby league grand finals have lost it scoring eighteen points. There you go. You've gone deep dove. So yeah, that that that, that eighteen number mm. is a significant one, and I just can't see the Roosters if they get to the grand final not scoring eighteen points. Your real concern if you're the Roosters, people like, okay, you're a simple fuck, but I, I think you can really look at numbers and look at look at what the Roosters are doing offensively at the moment. Uh, look at what Penrith are doing defensively, and it, that to me right now is what's going to decide this premiership. Can the Panthers' defence be as good as what you you know you wrapped them up earlier, and they deserve every bit of credit you gave them? Um, and I've wrapped the Roosters all up, and I think they deserve uh, every bit of credit that we're giving them. But that's where this premiership is going to be won and lost. Yeah, and it'll be more again. They're and not Melbourne, going to be able... Melbourne have got to work out a how to stop those two sides offensively because they're better than Melbourne offensively. And then, like you said, they've got to manufacture a way to get to 18 points. So it's interesting. It's, it's, I think this year is going to be really, 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 really interesting, the final think, series. The one thing we know about Melbourne, and every year it's been like this the last few years, with, you know, they don't have a second half, they don't have this and that. <clears throat> get them in a finals game, give them 80 minutes. They'll You're telling me a week just to really know. They'll find a way, down. or yeah. they'll make you play your worst football when it matters. Anyway, let's move on. But, yeah. Move away from that Roosters game. That was a pile of shit. Newcastle ruined that game by just stinking it up. Plenty of players back this week. Um, some changes there. Resting some players. Newcastle really look like they've come to the end of their run. Yeah, well, they can't improve position, so I don't really blame them for resting players. No. Because I think even if they played all those guys, they were going to get touted. Yeah, Newcastle now just got to get themselves right so, for that first week. I think that's, Same as Cronulla. his focus is purely trying to upset someone week one. Yeah. Which is, I don't blame him for what he did, realistically. But 
Storm Cowboys, 36-20. I thought this was a pretty low game as well, to be honest. The sin bin early just kind of took the wind out of it. Two soft crash overs by the Melbourne Middles. Um, I thought even Melbourne were in a bit of second gear. They had a couple of guys in and out again. There was still no Finucane, no Brandon Smith. Pappenhausen had a bit of a niggle, so they've rested him. Um, they were a bit lackadaisical with their defense. I think that was the biggest concern for me. Late in the game, it seemed that the right edge was just pulled apart at will. Holmes went down there a few times and they kind of backpedaled or held off him and drink water, engaged the line and got really, really deep, deeper than I would have been comfortable with. Would have liked them to come up on their inside shoulders and at least place a bit of pressure. But Hammer went very, very close to scoring ground on the outside line. Holmes almost got there a couple of times. The points down there would be of real concern. And I'm not sure if Branko got hooked or if he was injured because I watched the game on mute, but he wasn't on the field at the end of the game. Mm. Nico Hines ended out on that edge and uh, it was a bit of a reshuffle there, but... Yeah, there were some concerns there on that edge and the scary part that you just talked about. If that right edge is a problem and they're not happy, if that is the Roosters or that is the Panthers, they're going to get ripped. both their left sides are a lot better than the Cowboys' left sides. So, haven't seen it the last few weeks or I think Branko on that edge has been pretty solid for the most part, but that was a concern on the weekend because if that's Tupo, Kiri, Josh Morris, Cordner or Satili, whoever you want to put there, or on the flip side of that, Luai, Kikau, Crichton, that's, uh, that's a big problem. That's got to be sorted very quickly. Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure the whole focus of Melbourne this week would be that right edge, whether it's Branko, whether it's Lumine. I don't know who he goes with, but I think Branko's been doing a pretty good job up until the weekend, but I'm sure the one thing Craig would have taken out of the weekend is not the attack, not the forwards, not Munster's double on their left side, none of that. Everything would have been about the defense on that right edge. Cowboys, I don't have much to say. They're already out. Missing a lot of players, probably the most disappointing thing is they just didn't give themselves a chance after Maguire, their most one of their most senior players, sprayed the ref. Yeah. You can see twice and basically put things to bed. Yeah, they got a little pulled themselves back in for that little period there, but I also think that Melbourne took the foot off the gas and they scored as soon as they mm-hmm. wanted to again anyway. So yep. um I still don't know what to make of Melbourne. I still think they're a genuine threat, but they I, need, I, I don't. They need everybody back. I think the one thing for me, for Melbourne, against those two sides in particular, full strength, their forward pack and the bench is outstanding. So if you get back Cheese, Finucane, those guys back into the mix, so you, then you can have Tino, Nelson potentially on the bench with Welch, Bromwich, that's a great rotation to bring off. Brandon is an impact. Your edges are Kenny, Felice, Dale. Like Their forward pack and their interchange is outstanding. I think they can create a lot of damage, which opens things up a bit for Smith. Are they left side heavy? Yes, they are. Do I think Hughes has improved? Yep. I think he's definitely better than Croft. Yeah. Um, but I think the most important thing is that whole forward pack, if healthy, gives them a really, really good rotation, a really good impact. And if there's one way they're going to upset anyone through the finals, it's through that impact and through that rotation that they're going to be able to do enough to get against those two sides. Yeah. But we know where the attack's coming from. It's generally left side dominant. It's Pappenhausen. It's Munster. Right side with Hughes is fairly limited. He does a good enough job, but... Um, yeah, for me, the real key is full-strength bench and pack for the Storm. Yeah. Cowboys, looks like this week, I think, similar deal. Rolling in a couple more guys, another debutant, I think, in Ben Condon. Um, same deal, with Peyton on the way and changes afloat. Get guys out there that are part of your future. Move on from your own heels. I know Cooper's said he's moving on. They didn't say he's actually retiring. I don't, I don't, I think he should retire. I don't know who else would really be looking at him at this point in time, but... Uh, Focus on your future. Anyone that's there that hasn't got a game or two Largies, Emery Perez guys that have one or two games, get them in. Dejan Arce, get him a game. Get them all in right now. The last one, Sharkies Warriors. 
just realistically from the start. Um, the errors from the Warriors and then the first three sets where I thought they were getting on top of Cronulla, they let them out with penalties and yardage every time. They invited Cronulla, basically those first few points. Roger getting caught out on a kick. Kick not cleaned up. Dugan dives on it. They kick the penalty goal. As soon as they got <clears> some <throat> control, held the football, they looked good. They scored. They offloaded. They rolled up the middle. thought Tohu Harris was absolutely outstanding. Hiku's form since his family arrived and things been a little bit more secure. Like he's been really, really good. And they found a way to get to the lead, but they just, when it, when it got to crunch time and he kicked that goal, I was feeling a bit negative. And from then onwards, you had the cramp, then Nicaragua copped the knock, and they just felt like on the back foot. And probably the real big moment that hurt me, I think it was Jack Murchie. He kind of got a bit invested personally. He gave away a shit penalty. First uh, facial. Yeah, critical time there when they were on the back foot after an error on play one or two when they were inside good ball, and it just marched them straight the other way. And that right there, I look at plays like that, and they go in, in the whole of things where you look at it and go, where, this, this, was it this, was it this? Something like that at that time when they just really didn't need it. It felt like from that point onwards on the back foot. And to really rub up the wounds for the Warriors after such a good run, the try was scored by a bloke who backflipped on a deal to head over there. Yeah. Like, it, it, apparently there's personal reasons to it, so I'm not, like, bagging on Rudolph for that, but that's really got to hurt that you signed this guy for three or four years. And, yes, there's some circumstances behind it, but he's no longer coming to your club. He's pulled out of the deal. He's staying at the Sharkies. And to meet a Harris just slipped over and Rudolph barges in. And then yeah. Mully Tarlow late gets another one just to really put the salt in the wound. So they've been absolutely outstanding and gallant, I think, in this run. And I honestly didn't expect them to maintain the rage for as long as they have. To compete the way with Penrith, the Roosters, all the teams the way they have, and to jack some good results. Um, they've been nothing short of outstanding, given the circumstances this season. No argument. So... Mm. They've got another debutante this week. They've lost their two Eels lone players. We know Hetherington's gone back to Penrith. He's playing this week. So I'm glad there's two weeks to go. And someone said it the other day. I read this and I thought back to what you were saying about how in the NFL you flex games. So you put a game on prime time or you move a game here. For the last round, I know it's probably not something that would happen, but if you could flex games, honestly, mm. you'd flex the Warriors to be the first game of the round so they can go home. Yeah. Somebody wrote that and I'm like, you know what? That's just a real simple thing, but it's the truth. Yep. For all the people that have given stuff up, I don't know what day they're playing in the last round. I think it's Sunday. But realistically, if you could put them on the Thursday night game so they could be home three or four days after what they've given to the rest of the competition, I'm sure no one would complain. No, they wouldn't. So, yeah, I just thought that was a really smart thing when I read it. But <coughs> Who uh, do they play last round? Uh, Manly. And I'm pretty so sure both teams is. are out. I'm pretty sure it's a Sunday game. I'm pretty sure it is as well. I think it's 2 o'clock. So Sunday. they're going to have to wait. Yeah, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they have to wait the extra three. Where do they both eight? So Manly play Saturday, Warriors play Sunday this week. Yep. So the turnaround would hurt. Saturday, Sunday. So Warriors are going Sunday to Sunday. Yeah. Manly going Saturday to Sunday. Yeah. So the turnaround might be cruel, but I think... Even give them the Friday 6 o'clock game and, and flex the Titans Knights to... Sunday, I suppose Newcastle would probably have something to say. Yeah, because the finals. So I, I get this. Well, flex. You could you could move Titans Knights to Thursday, move Brisbane Cowboys to the Sunday, and move the Manly game into the into the Friday. There's a way to do it, mm. but this also comes back to the TV networks controlling those time slots, yeah. not the game. So it's not going. We need to get to a point where, in in particularly in that last round, like the the I know the AFL do it. The AFL don't announce game times for the last round until the week before mm. for that reason. So they can line up any any blockbusters or in the right time slots. Yeah. 
And any stinkers are in the respective time slots as well. Oh, I just thought it was a real simple thing, but it might just make sense. Well, when you look at the last round, we've got uh, Broncos Cowboys. That's a Zippo game. Titans Knights Zippo game. Rabbitohs Roosters will be a belter. Mm. That's a Friday night seven fifty five. That's the right time slot. Dogs Panthers stinker. Sharks Raiders. Well, we, we could see Sharks Raiders two weeks in a row, depending on what they. Sharks finish. Raiders is a is a good game. Mm, that they could be. I'd playing like to week see one. that. I'd like to see that as maybe maybe the Thursday night game or the Saturday night game, but it's the five thirty slot at the moment, which isn't a great time slot. Uh, Saturday night you got Tigers Eels. Yeah. Sunday you've got Warriors Manly means nothing, and Sunday Arvo you got Dragons Storm means nothing. So it's a bit of a shitty last round, isn't it? There's the two well, if I'm a pretty significant man, games. I'm hoping that our first finals game's on the Sunday of the week after. Even this week. You've got finals. you got Rabbitohs-Bulldogs. That's not a finals game. Cowboys-Panthers, no. Eagles-Broncos, no. Seagulls-Titans, no. You've only got Roosters-Sharks this weekend, which are two teams, finals teams playing against each other. Yeah. So really, we've got three good games left out of 16. Yeah. True that, and I think from a lot of and they want to talk about the closest competition. The closest, well, it's not. There's a six point gap between eighth and ninth at the moment, and there's a lot of guys I think that are keen to get out of the bubble. Yeah, so the standard may not be the best the next two weeks. Hold your nerve for the next ten days, boys. But yeah, keep it together. Keep it together. <laughs> that wraps us up for the reviews of the games in the weekend. So jumping in now to our tips from last weekend, boxer. We both got seven. Uh, I'm trying to think what the game was we got wrong. It was the Warriors. There you go. Both tipped New Zealand. Unfortunately, they went down. They killed me on the weekend. Our little introductory bet for the sports bet. Just tipped all eight games. Was confident. Was sitting there for that last game with anticipation. And yeah. Couldn't get it done. Got you. You want a bad beat the weekend. I backed Tino, Nelson and Olan. When Tino and Nelson crashed over within the first 15 minutes, I almost fell out of your chair. Yeah, you know my theory on that. One. I know, but when middles go over... It was mass. I was just watching Olam for the rest of the game and going, score. Try score a bit. Shit bets. But didn't happen, so no dice. But first game this weekend, Souths up against the Bulldogs. Just trying to find some lineups to see if we got any changes here. As far as the Dogs are concerned, mm. Tim Lafar returns. Dallin moves back to the wing. Nick Meaney's been dropped. Really? Matt Dory got injured on the weekend, so Chris Smith comes back in to start at lock. Josh Jackson goes to the edge. Luke Thompson is in at prop. Renoff Tormunga drops to the bench and Sione Katawa, Dean Britt, drops out to 18th and for South Sydney, Jackson Paulo gets to come back in because Dane Gagai is suspended and Harme Sale replaces Rabbitohs. Yeah. That was as good as a loss last week for the Rabbitohs, I hope. Um, you know, I know they lost to Melbourne and then now they, they almost lost to the Tigers. So. Yeah. A good little shake-up for them heading into the finals. And the dogs won't hand it to them, that's for sure. Every time we they see won't. someone this play is the a, dogs. This is a game with uh, a lot of history. So yeah. It's always ugly, this game. Yeah, absolutely. Regardless of where they are. But heavy favourites of the Rabbitohs, eleven. The dogs are six fifty. The start is 16.5 for this game. Early Friday game, Cowboys up against the Panthers up in North Queensland. Chance Murray. to secure the Piranha Premiership. Oof, the Premiership. Murray Tuolagi replaces O'Neill in the centres. Corey Jensen starts at prop. Big Francis Molo goes back to lock with Maguire suspended. Asiato is suspended, so M. Mary Perre is back on the bench. And debutante Ben Condon is called up. Gavin Cooper is in the back row. Tom Gilbert goes back to the bench. And Tom Malolo is apparently a chance. He's in jersey 18, but 
see what happens there. And for the Panthers, Coruscant after his head knock, he's been rested. No surprise. Mitch Kenny in there. Tom out will sit out for the week. Moses Leota is going to start at prop. Oh. Catewell and Hetherington are back on to the bench. And Tedavano is also out. But Panthers, the incentive is they keep that win streak up. We're looking at the bench. Billy Burns, Burton, Staines, Faro. There's a couple of guys even there that I think they might consider giving a game to this week. Yeah. It really wouldn't surprise me. I still think they'll win. I still think they'll win too. But just with the travel and the <clears> amount of football some of these guys have played, it really wouldn't surprise me if, say, Liam Martin or Kikau got rested and either Capewell or Burns went in and got a full game in the back row or shared yeah. a half and a half or if... Crichton, who's had a big year, gets a week off and they decide to give Faray a run or Staines gets one of the wing spots and Mansell, who's had chronic yeah, knee yeah, problems, get gets a week. Get Just, get yeah, wouldn't surprise mm, me. Plenty of depth there, they'll win. With the squad they've got. So I'm on the Panthers, just like you, regardless of the changes. Heavy favourites again, $1.14, $5.50 for the Cowboys. 14 and a half start, if you like it. Broncos, Eels, Bankwest Stadium. You'd have to think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath, in all honesty. Reed Marnie should return this week. Ray Stone out. Will Smith retains the bench spot for the Broncos. Said it before, Payne Haas, the one constant. He's out of the bubble for family reasons. Reese Kennedy is suspended. Sean O'Sullivan's been dropped. Brody Croft is back, but he suffered a head knock at training. So Tyson Gamble is now starting in the halves. Ben Teo and Joaquin Gowie and the new front row. Hopawade, Ethan Bullimore return to the bench. This can't be anything but eels. Eels. By a big margin, you'd think. A real big margin. And the odds, dollar ten for Parramatta, seven fifty for the Broncos, seventeen and a half start. And again, we talk about betting on games like Cross, it's hard to get any value when things are so far apart like they are. Yeah. Especially with some of these matchups in the back end of the year. Early Saturday game, Eagles and the Titans for Manly, Lachlan Croker's get the start in the halves, Cade Custer's out injured. Danny Levi back at Hooker, given that circumstance, Corey Waddell is back onto the bench, Tommy Turbo's in Jersey 21. Does he play? Does he not? I just don't see why you'd risk him given the amount of money you've invested in, in the reoccurrences. The season's with done. You. I just know, don't I'm get it. I'm with you. Uh, and if he wants to play Origin, then I'm, again, if I'm manly, I'm not, my bigger priority is your health. Yeah, I'm tipping the Titans. I am too. The Titans, Kevin Proctor, he's back from suspension. Both are more out injured, so good timing. Tanner Boyd replaces Aaron Clark on the bench. Uh, mm. They've just been tough in a lot of games this year. Man, they've had some flat spots. I think they can definitely match up with him. And attacking-wise, when things click, and especially these daytime games in the sun, they usually look good Yeah. in daytime football. So Brookvale's always uh, an ask, but this year I think they've lost, I think they said oh, maybe five or six of seven, which is crazy when you yeah. think about Manly. Generally, you think Brookvale on those bad weeks or those ugly weeks or the ones where they need to bounce back, that's generally where you don't want to be going. It hasn't been that great for them this year. The odds of that one? A dollar fifty favorite Manly, two sixty outsider for the Titans. So there you go. If you like your your Titans there, or you can get five and a half start two dollar lines on Labrox. Well, so what is what start two and a half? Five and a half. Five and a half. Two geez. bucks. Sunny Coast Tigers versus the Storm up there. No Pappenhausen still. So Welch he's back in at prop this week. Nelson Osofa Solomon moves to lock. Tino back to the bench. Darren Shotty's out of the side. Brandon Smith in jersey eighteen a chance of returning. West Tigers, Leia Lua replaces Tommy Talao in the centres. Josh mm. Reynolds replaces Luke Brooks, who's suspended in the halves. Sam McIntyre starts in the back row with Luke Garner to the bench. Russell Packer and Zane Musgrove have been caught up on the bench. Elijah Taylor and Little dropped. 
swag of changes, but travelling up there in Melbourne, getting a few of those guys back. Hopefully the cheese plays. Uh, Storm. Storm. You know, I'm sure this will be heavy again. Dollar fourteen for the Storm, five fifty for the Tigers, minus fourteen and a half is the line. You would have never have seen so many games with ten plus point lines. I know. Like we said, I just said there's thirteen plus bets, not even worth. Probably more. three good games left. This is one of them, and even this will be a short, mm. short line. I think. Sharkies up against the Roosters, and some changes for the Roosters, and rightfully so, they've earned it with their results. Tedesco is going to be mm. rested. Marty goes back to fullback. Orbison, the record-breaking game, the all-time leading Rooster, 303rd game, will be at centre. Freddie Lussick has recalled on the bench. Tokiaho is being rested. Jared's coming back into play at prop. Collins gets a start again. Angus Crichton returns to the bench. And for the Sharks, no changes from the side that won last weekend. And look at the extended reserves. Uh, yeah, I don't see any changes coming out of that late either. So, Roosters, I don't yeah. think they'll lose another game this year. Regardless of the changes, same as you. I'm uh, all over the chooks. Away they go. A dollar twelve, even without Tedesco, Tokiaho, a couple of blokes. What's the line? So that's heavy. Do they name Boyd Cordner? I didn't look at that actually. They've still got Boyd Cordner. Friends back in this week. Uh, wow, a dollar twelve, even with those players. Yeah, out. what's the line? So that tells you what they think of a team that's coming fourth or third and to another top eight side. What's the line? It is minus 16 and a half. Jeez, I'd almost take the Sharks with 16 and a half. 650 for the Sharks. That's heavy for a team in the top eight. But I don't really want to be on the I know, but with no Tedesco and a few, I'm just saying, like, if you'd say Tedesco and a few guys weren't going to play, fucking not going that, the they were going to be 650. No. That's heavy. That's give me, give me heavy. 30 and a half, I wouldn't take it. <laughs> uh, and need to Sunday, really have a look in the mirror after saying that. Oof. Sunday action to finish off, 2 p.m. game. Still think this one will be a corker, even though the Warriors are out if they play up with their ability. Up against the Raiders down there in the nation's capital. Saliva Harvili starts at hooker. Tommy Starling going back to the bench, so probably just trying to share a little bit more of that game time, give him a rest. And with the Warriors, they're mathematically out of the finals and they're running low on those lone players. Uh, and Jermaine Noah Brown was suspended. So Adam Kieran, he's getting a start in the centres. Hayes Perham replaces George Jennings on the wing. Lachlan Burr is getting a start at prop. Alessia Katoa returns when they said he was going to be out for the rest of the season with an injury, so hopefully he's ready to go. And they've got a debutant, Tom Arley, on the bench, who is another gun junior who they got over from Rugby Union, who can play middle mostly, played a little bit of edge, but is a bit of a schoolboy gun in Rugby Union. So, mm. yeah, I think regardless, um, the Raiders you have to go, surely. The Canberra Raiders. The Warriors will be gallant, no doubt. But I think they might pack it up now, the Warriors. The odds are getting really stacked against now when you're taking all their players away. The hunt's over. Two weeks to go. They're very close. Yeah. Very, very close. And the odds for that one, thirteen for the Raiders, $6 for the Warriors, 16 points. Like that one, if they play to their ability, there's way too many points. I ain't flirting with that. But, oof. I ain't flirting with that. The last game of the round, Knights at home up against the Dragons. Kalen Ponga back at fullback. Kurt Mann suspended. 5'8", Mason Lino has been dropped. Tex Hoy goes into the halves. Chris Randall starts at dummy half. Phoenix Crossland onto the interchange bench. Heimel Hunt recalled in the centres. Shivasaki's out and Barnett returns at lock. Safidi back to the bench and Josh King out of the side. And for the Dragons, Tarek Sims is back. He replaces Billy Britton on the bench and another debutant in Max Fagai takes the place of Terrell Fuimaano, but he's on the bench, so there you go. I've never really got the point of debuting outside backs off the bench, though. If you're no. going to play a winger or a centre, just play him. 
play. And drop yeah. somebody. So, you know, whether it be Pereira or you gave Ramsey a game last week and you want to get him out. Or I, don't, I always forget which one is which. Matt and Max basically played same side of the field, centre winger. If this one's the centre and Aitken, whether he's playing well or not, your season's over and he's not part of your club next year, it's playing in the centres. Yeah. So, yeah. Newcastle for me in this one. At home. Yeah. Players back in. Bookies agree. Dollar thirty-three. Dragons, 3.25 minus 8.5 is the line. So... Six of the lines are plus over 10. Most of them are over 13 plus. So even if you were betting a bloodbath and all those games, six of them you wouldn't get $2 or over for 13 plus. Not a lot of betting value. No. The one bet I do like, if I'm going to take anything as far as value, is Titans at 260. Mm. No thanks. Oh, I'm just saying, out of what's there, if you're going to take oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. out of I, what you've been offered, dollar fourteen, dollar yeah, ten. Yeah, no, like sorry, sorry, sorry. Two sixty. Surely you think that's value? I'd definitely take that. We've tipped the Titans, so I'd definitely take that. Out of all the other ones, unless someone drastically rests or play, and again, I'm not like the Sharks. I'm not confident on, but six fifty is a lot. So for the start being sixteen and a half, like with a couple of players out, again, I still think the Roosters, even with changes, yep. are good enough to beat them by twenty or more. No argument, son. But yeah. And the Warriors could make an argument again, but as you said, the last little bit of carrot has been taken away from the finals are off the table. And those few players have now left them, and I'm sure they're all looking forward to going home. So I'm not saying they're going to completely roll over, but if they turned up and they were pretty ordinary on the weekend, I wouldn't blame them. And as we said, the last little piece that was there for them to play for is now off the table. So yeah, I think this round will be pretty straightforward unless there's some drastic changes late by one of those top sides. But Penrith will probably confirm themselves is the minor premiers. We're still yet to see uh, what's going to happen in terms of the rest of the top four. The Eels, I don't think there's any chance they lose this weekend. I think next weekend is the big one. If they play the Tigers and the Tigers are up for the last round and somehow get an upset, it'll then be on the Raiders to get a win against the Sharks and they can potentially pull themselves into fourth spot. They'll be playing the Panthers week one in Penrith. Yeah. So whether they want to go that way or whether they think they'd be better off going the long way, playing a Sharks or a Newcastle down in Canberra, I don't know. Everyone says two bites of the cherry, but if you have a war week one and bounce back, maybe the Raiders are better off being fifth. I don't know. And no one would say that with two bites of the cherry, I guess, but Penrith in Penrith week one, when you're missing a couple of players, is not exactly a great matchup. No, no. may not help your confidence. So potentially they're better off having the Sharks week one down in Canberra, hopefully get... The side of the draw, I don't know which side of the draw they'd be on, getting a Roosters or a Storm after they've had a war with each other week two. Yeah. Who knows? They might look at it that way, but regardless, I don't think a win is coming outside the top four. And whoever wins week one out of those two teams, I think they're basically very, very high chances of being in the grand final. And if one of them isn't, I guarantee you that one of the winners from week one will be the grand final winner because that rest is going to be so important this season. Yeah, I agree. But there you go. That's us done for another week, Boxhead. Yeah. Two weeks to go until finals football. We'll uh, see how things go. Like you said, there's not a whole lot to be settled or a lot to play for for a lot of teams. So hopefully the quality not, but... stays up. Enjoy, I think the main thing for us after it was taken away because of COVID is just to enjoy the games. Absolutely. Because it was already a shortened season. It got taken away. So while there's eight games, I'll still be absorbing all eight. And the finals comes. No doubt, son. Grand final, origin straight after. And there'll be a short turnaround in the next year. Yeah, well... Interesting to see how that's all going to play out, but... Yeah, we're expecting a quick turnaround. 
for everybody out there. Get on the discussion group. As we said, we'll post it up again sometime. There's only 400 in there. There should be more than that. So yeah. get amongst it. We'll have to repost it. I, don't think, I haven't been really active the last few weeks. Still been very busy with work. Life <laughs> gets there. Gets in the way sometimes of hopping on the computer or posting a little bit more. But get on the discussion group. Rate and review us on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, other platforms for you to listen to the podcast and recommend us to any league lovers out there. Still getting some people come aboard or messages every now and then from some new listeners, but keep sharing the love if you love rugby league. <clears throat> Let people know about the fifth and last NRL podcast. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.